Yes, coming in hot with episode 13, lucky number 13 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who off air told me that even he would score a hat-trick against Barnsley. Jobber. <laughs> uh, morning. Um, yeah, I did say that. Um, I would have kept a clean sheet as well, so Thiago Silva, settle down, mate. Um, but look, it's been a big week in football, hasn't it? Huge. Massive week. Um, I think the biggest news coming out of that was Luis Suarez is on the move. So Luis Suarez had a list of clubs he cannot join. One of them, luckily, was not Atletico Madrid. And if that doesn't get you excited, think about this. Luis Suarez, Diego Costa up top, coached yeah. by Diego Simeone. The combination of shithousery and biting and, like, if that doesn't get you excited for controversy, nothing will. So, look, mm, that got I've, me thinking. I've just got one question, though, before you dive into the question. Go on. Have Atletico bitten off more than they can chew? <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I'm glad we got that drum in there. That was handy. Um, Neighbours hate it, obviously, because I'm very funny. But, look, got me thinking, uh, what's the most dynamic duo you've ever seen in football? Oh, um, took me a while to research this actually, but what I've come up with is um, Roberto Carvalho and Jose Mourinho. So Mourinho, Mourinho, obviously the manager, and Carvalho, obviously the player. So started at Porto together, um, did rather well, and won the Champions League there. Then Mourinho moves across to uh, Chelsea, and who follows? Carvalho straight behind him. Um, Reno wins a couple of trophies there, not the Champions League though, um, but did rather well, won in a couple of leagues. Then he decides, no, I'm getting the sack from Chelsea. I'm off. I'm off to Real Madrid. And sure enough, he needs a centre-back. Who does he call? Cavalier. So they're the boys, um, the two dynamic duo and won a lot of trophies together and just played at, Hugh, at um, a bunch of huge clubs with uh, – Porto, Real, and Chelsea. So that's mine. That's a that's a that's a beautiful story. Um, Cavalier was good, wasn't he? Very he was good. Kind of um, underrated. Nice and slow. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you want to send back. So look, the I had, other, I the other think... one I want to give an honourable mention for. <laughs> I was going to go with um, Harry and Jermaine Defoe, but they just didn't have the trophy cabinet as uh, Mourinho and Cavalier had. So. <laughs> no, well, um, apparently Harry Redknapp's been given advice this week about um, Tottenham should go after Luka Modric. So yeah. I think I think the angle here is that uh, Harry's going to think, oh look, you go out and get Val, you go out and get Modric. Now you need someone who can manage him. <laughs> and actually, my knees are feeling all right. Um, <laughs> bad news, Jose. Um, no, look, so I had to have a think about this. Um, in in my uh, in my time, there's been a lot of great duos. So you think of York and Cole, you think of Xavi and Iniesta. Um, I suppose you think of Vidic and Ferdinand, but. Um, as, as a youngster, and I'm talking very young, so I think I was about five years old, my favourite duo of all time was um, Shearer and Sutton. Mm. So what I liked about this was finally someone had the, the audacity to put together the big man, big man. You hear a lot about this, oh, you've got to have a big man, little man, and the combinations and beautiful football. Bollocks. That combination got 49 goals in 94-95 season. Shearer got the lion's share because at that time he was probably the best footballer in the country. He got 34, but Sutton got 15. Um, and I think it just the dynamic just works so well. But in Europe where it's, you know, that's where players really get their reputation. Um, Sutton actually scored more than Shearer. And out of the 42 league games, there was only 12 occasions where neither of them got on the score sheet. So that was finally that big man, big man duo everyone's been screaming out for. I like that stat. So he scored more than Shearer in, that, in Europe, in the, not, not in the league. Europe. Shearer yeah, pissed yeah. it in the league, um, doubled his tally. Obviously, Alan Shearer went on to do oh, not much. Um, I think he ended up being the leading scorer in the Premier League of all time. But no, look, that they were they were great. And at that time, that's how football was played. And having those two um, big target men was just it was just beautiful to watch. Everyone played with two up front then, didn't they? Yeah, it's it's you don't see. I think. Actually, I do think you'll see a bit more of that now because people just are so structured in the way they play that the two up front just confuses people now and they're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like you got that Dini-Carlo combination of Watford a few years ago. 
Yeah, uh, as, soon, as soon as one one team plays a, a back three, the natural thing for the other manager to do is just put two up top, and then it just, you just get confusion about who's marking who, and then um, the two can press the the three um, rather easily, just cut off the one pass, and then press from there. So yeah, yeah, it's changed a bit. Isn't it? Um, but weekly happening. So Ibrahimovic uh, tested positive to Corona, um, and he said he's had no symptoms for day one, two, or three, and he thinks that. Um, Corona met him, got scared and ran off. That was his quote. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> That's Ibra, isn't it? I, Ibra, I, yeah. I, the worst thing about his audacity is the day that he dies, like you know he'd have some funny comment about it, <laughs> but death will finally overcome him. But he wasn't the only one who got Corona. Like Leighton Orient got Corona and Tottenham had their game postponed. And Moisey. The whole town or the whole football club? Uh, I think it's the whole town. Um and then, so Moisey got coronavirus this week as well, and so did um, Issa Diop and one other West Ham player. Yeah, I think Moisey's just buying himself some time there. What do you think? Moisey, Moisey I imagine, has looks like a man who has diabetes and looks like a man who's under a lot of stress. So <laughs> he's also 57 years old and he's from Glasgow. So all those things tell me he is not the type of person. Like I'd have more faith in Neil Warnock to get through this than I would Moisey. He's look, his head's so wrinkly, Moisey, too. Oh, he's so funny. United aged him about 15 years in the three weeks he was there. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and then he went to West Ham, which is only going to be a bigger shit show. It's a bit of a worry, yeah. isn't it? It is. We better get into it. Um, so, flavour of the pod is we are going to um, preview the um, round of matches coming up on the weekend, match day three, transfer chat, mailbag, Colo's multi, and then we'll wrap it up from there. But we've got to start with the early game, Brighton and United. Are United's back four going to start as they were or do you see changes in this game? So they played Carabao Cup this week, um, like, which is obviously a big cup competition. And Manchester United started with Brandon mm. Williams, Harry Maguire, Eric Bailly and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So I wonder if that was a, a bit of a trial for the weekend um, with that lineup. Because Luke Shaw was a bit underwhelming on the weekend, but I think I think Luke Shaw, um, it's his first game back in a while. Um, Victor Lindelof didn't get a Guernsey. Harry's obviously the club captain, and Wan-Bissaka didn't play last week. So I wonder if he's had a bit of a trial run in the Carabao Cup during the week of what the back four might look like. Yeah, I think they'll start um, by Maguire next to each other. I think Wan-Bissaka is ready. And I think they're going to start with uh, Williams at left back. You think you'll start over Shaw? Yeah, I think so. Well, oh, yeah, I, uh, they were very critical of Luke Shaw over that goal. Um, it might be a bit of a shot in the arm. And I know they're talking to Alex Tellez ongoing, but obviously because it's a Manchester United transfer, it's going to take forever and then come to nothing. Um, yeah, I think it's possible. But I'd, I, I'm wondering if he might start with the midfield of Pogba, Fernandez, and Donny because Donny was – bit of a standout during the week. Granted, it was against um, not the strongest Luton side I've seen. But, um, yeah, I wonder... You've seen some Luton sides. I've seen some cracking Luton sides. Um, But I think I'm wondering if he might start with that three midfielders just to make a bit of a statement and try and get them playing together. Because Donny's movement is just... um, Like, it's... It's outstanding watching him move around the park. Like, the way he finds space for himself and just his work rate. So, I'm wondering if he might actually go with the, the, uh, the Fab Three. Yeah, that's what all the Manchester United fans want to see, isn't it? As soon as Donny got got purchased, they wanted to see uh, um, Pogba, um, Donny and Fernandez play together. So, yeah, I think this could be it. Could but I, the, I, the, I think one of the criticisms of of Solskjaer as a manager is like, um, like you've got all these players, and you you can't say you haven't got what you want. All, like most of the time, you have. Like he spent some money in transfer market. Like he needs to fit. Like he needs to have it. He can't. He needs to change his system. To fit the players he in has, or like change the players, but he seems to be doing like a little bit of both because um, the system's not really changing, um, and the players like like we go. He just goes back to the players that were not playing well anyway. So I think he needs to make a bit of a shift there and find a way to accommodate these players. Yeah, a good chance to to get his first win of the season here against Brighton. Um, I think Brighton looked okay um, in, the, in their last game, but. I think Manchester United will be too strong and I think they'll pick up three points and Ollie will sort of straighten up the, the ship a bit after being rocked 
last week. I did find it rather enjoyable, the outcry from Manchester United fans um, after just one match. No, uh, they should have already uh, panic stations. They were so. lucky we weren't riding um, after that. But do you think do you think um, Brendan Williams can handle empty from Brighton? And then can the boys at the back, like Maguire, um, has a bit of a pace issue. I don't know if anyone's noticed. I might be the first person to notice that Harry Maguire's not that quick. Um, and Connolly might cause some problems as well. Like they've got, so yeah. they've, got they've got a bit of pace, especially like Lamptey's been very impressive in the first two games. Yeah, he's been decent. Um, down that down that right hand side for for Brighton, but I like I think Manchester United's defense is obviously um, shaky, but I think they'll just have too much for them um, going forward and in the in the front third. Right, for, last question for to to hold on to. If you had, would you take Maguire and Lindelof or Dunk mm-hmm. and Webster? As in. Transfer or yeah, if you start. had if you if you were to <laughs> you had to sign either of those duos, would it be Maguire and Lindelof or Duncan Webster? Mm, I'd honestly sign Duncan Web- Duncan uh, Webster. Yeah. <laughs> you watch him, man. No, well, you're getting them on a snip. Imagine trying to price Harry Maguire and um, Lindelof. Eight hundred and fifty mil for <laughs> calamity. Yeah, yeah. where <laughs> I mean. I think you're going to get some. Um, you're going to be able to keep the ball and play it out the back a little bit more with um, Lindelof and Maguire, but less so with Dunk and, and Webster. But you're just going to get two serious defenders. So I would go with um, Webster Dunk. What would you do? <laughs> yeah, I don't have to respond. It was my question. All right, so <laughs> let's move on that, to. That means you can take Maguire. Obviously. Let's. Oh, big Harry every day of the week. Um, so let's move on to the match of the round. So this is this one really has wet the appetite for football. Um, mm-hmm. So Liverpool already chasing Arsenal. Can they reel them in? Third versus fourth. I've heard a lot of talk this week about the Invincibles. <laughs> Match of the round this one, and someone's O has to go, as they say in boxing. Um, someone will be dropping points here. Two undefeated teams. Um, I just don't. I think Arsenal have done well over the last couple of games. Um, as I said last week, they've won, started to win games at which they would otherwise have lost under Emery. Um, I think Arteta's got them settled. They beat the Foxes 2-0 in the Carabao Cup um, a couple of days ago. And I think they're doing rather well. I just don't think that they are ready for the challenge and the level of Liverpool. Oh, jeez. I, I know there's going to be some Arsenal fans on some very popular blogs who aren't going to like that. Um, yeah, a lot of them well, a lot of them are saying Lacazette. Lacazette could be better than Henri. That's like, I don't know. That's just them saying that. But um, no, look, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting because Liverpool were Liverpool were better again last week against um, Chelsea. They're a little, I think they're a little bit caught out by the, like the, the challenge that Leeds posed. Granted that Leeds just took their chances really well and that game could have gone another way very quickly. Um but they've had a good chance to rest some of their big names. So the starting lineup in the Carabao Cup, um, I think only Virgil Van Dijk would really be a first teamer in that. Um, they still managed to get home fairly comfortably against Lincoln City seven two. But yeah, I think I think um, it's a really good test for Arsenal to see if they are um, actual not not so much title contenders, but contenders for that top four, or if they're just having a they've had a nice start to the season. Um, it's a really good test of Arteta's. Um, like strategy moving forward, and some of those players who are potentially um, like Abamyang and Lacazette who are flying right now, but they haven't really had a, a good test. Like Fulham um, were not great, and West Ham. I think we've spoken at length about where we think West Ham are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I think it's it's going to be such a like. Do you think Abamyang can get past Van Dijk and steal one for Arsenal? Yeah, I do think that Arsenal will cause them troubles. I just don't think um, they're ready for the test of Liverpool. Liverpool in the first couple of games looked like they were ready to start the season. I think we touched on how, you know, Man U didn't look ready and even Man City weren't in full flight yet either. But Liverpool, they looked ready to start the season. Um, So I think at the end of this game, no matter the result, we're going to learn more about Arsenal than we are about Liverpool. I think if Arsenal put on a good showing, um, people might start to be talking about them a little bit more seriously 
into that top four. Um, whereas if they get battered, I think it'll, it'll just show that show us that they um, are sort of pretenders and still in that's definitely in that second tier of um, of teams in the top half of the table. So it's a good good time yeah. for Australian viewers. So five a.m. Tuesday, um, you get a bit, of, a bit of a festival of football before work. And I know a lot of Arsenal fans won't be watching the game, but look, they can um, jump on the blogs afterwards and criticise the team and whatnot. So if if you want to do that, you can do that just before you start work this week. So that'd be great. Yeah, they'll just do it on Twitter, won't they? Just watch a couple of highlights on Twitter. Yeah, watch the goals. Um, no, look, I think it's a cracking game. I'm really excited to see if Arteta can um, – because he seems to be a real thinking man's manager and he seems to adapt really well. So it would be really good to see if he can adapt to Kloppo and his um, heavy metal football. Mane looked so fast last week. Um, I'm just worried about Arsenal's defence ability to handle him. Yeah, you could say that about any defence though, really, I suppose. Um, not just Arsenal's, but – yeah, um, I think Liverpool are going to be too much for Arsenal. What are you, is are you thinking the same? Liverpool too much for Arsenal? I actually, I actually think Arsenal are going to pinch a draw here. A draw, okay. Yeah, I think I just I think I, I like what they've done. They've got confidence now. Um, like Liverpool are very good, but they're not infallible. Um, they do have like everyone knows they play that you know heavy metal, and Robertson and Alexander Arnold are going to push on. I think if any team has the tools up front to expose them, it's Arsenal. Like with the pace of Lacazette and Aubameyang. Um, if Alexander Arnold gives Abamyang a bit of room on that like right hand side Liverpool defence, we've seen Abamyang cut in so many times and score from that position. Yeah. So I think I think there's chances for goals there, and um, you know Liverpool they're, they're they're looking better, but I don't think they're quite at full power yet. So I think this is a good chance for Arsenal to nick a point and um, give the league the rest of the league a bit of a chance. Bit of a warning. All right, so we might move on to uh, Roy's boys versus Ancelotti's army. You like what I did there? Yeah. So, so this isn't um, this isn't the match of the round. No, it's not. Second based versus on, fifth. Yeah, based on the hype train that is Everton being well overhyped and boring, boring Palace. It's not. No. Really? Jeez, I think I think this will be an absolute doozy of Palace sitting back and. Uh, Everton trying to create and then realising they might not be good enough. Um, no, look, I think this is really interesting. So we've got two – like imagine if two weeks ago someone had said to you, you've got two undefeated sides going head-to-head. It's Everton and Crystal Palace. What would you have said to them? Like would you have got them checked? Oh, I would have said, um, yeah, they've done well to get draws out of the first couple of games, I agree. <laughs> they're bloody pissing it in. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what Everton I have banged away six goals. Granted, five of them came last week against a calamitous West Bromwich Albion. But um, oh, yeah, look, I think ten I, men West Brom. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this will be one for the purists. Um, I think Palace are going to sit back, and Ancelotti's going to see that Palace are going to sit back. So you might see a fairly reserved Everton. But like the thing about the new Everton this year is they have um players. They have players that can unlock these defenses. Like this is this is the these are the games that you bought. Um, Jimmy Rodriguez for, mm. so I think I think that they have they have the tool that if they want to change tack they can go like they've got Seamus Coleman and Dina out wide so they can go and get balls into the box if it comes to that as well. Um, Calvert Lewin's excellent in the air, and Richarlison's not too bad either, but he's more sort of creative. But like they've got a number of different tools that they can use to unlock these defenses. Yeah, well, that, that, that's what I had down here. I think that um, Everton are going to have much more of the ball than Palace. Um, they're going to be on the front foot. Palace are going to sit sit deep. But I think Everton have the tools to, to unlock them, as you say. Um, I think with Hamas, Richarlison, um, they've got the keys to unlock them. And then if, yeah, worst comes to worst, they can just sling balls into Dominic Calvin-Lewin, who's been in great form at the moment, and, and unlock them that way. I think um, the best chance for... Uh, Palace is to, to sit back and, and hit them on the break. Um, they do have heaps of pace um, to be able to do that with um, that Jordan Ayew up front. I think I really like his finishing. Um, Zaha and the new man, EZ. So yeah. I me, think that, that's Palace's ticket to, to victory. And I think this is an interesting game, I would describe it as. Yeah. Do you think Yuri Mina can handle being run at by the likes of Zaha and Iwu, um and Townsend and EZ if he comes on? Well, no, but again, who, what what defence can? Yeah. yeah, I would have said last week, before last week, I would have said Harry Maguire, but no. Look, I mean, he's a bit of a basket case. I think he's one of those flashy-looking centre-backs. Um, I think he'll struggle with the pace. I, I, I genuinely think this could be more exciting than um, than it appears on the face of it. 
Yeah, as I said, I think this is an interesting game. I, I wouldn't go down the exciting path, but yeah, an interesting game nonetheless. Yeah, a couple of young managers. Um, so let's move on to so West Brom versus Chelsea. This could this could this could be ugly, couldn't it? This is going to be a blowout. Chelsea are going to absolutely batter West Brom if they roll out their first team um, at, at full strength. Uh, I, I see some changes coming here for. Chelsea, I think they might even start with um, either Tammy or Giroud um, and give Werner a seat, although he didn't play in the um, in the Carabao um, 6-0 win against Barnsley. What a um, But I think, yeah, I think they're just going to rotate their, their team here um, and they'll get it done rather easily against West Brom. I just, like, I can't see how West Brom can keep them out at down one end and I don't see them posing any, any threat. So in the last game... Palace have the chance to sit back and, and do Everton on the counter-attack with some pace. I just can't see how West Brom could do that or hurt Chelsea. So, yeah, I think Chelsea going to walk to victory here. Um, and what's back for Chelsea going to run with, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I, Chilwell's still injured, isn't he? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, so Marcus Alonso starts. So there is a chance for West Brom to score there with Marco, Marcus Alonso throwing one in the back of the net. Um, I think I, I don't know if Thiago Silva's got two games in him in a week. Like, what is he forty? Yeah, I think I think he's ready. Yeah, you think he's ready? So you yep. think Thiago Silva should get a I start? Think start. And then Marcus Alonso, um, Reese James would be out at right back, and then that other centre back slot. I like Christensen's out. Naturally, I would have said you'd go with Rudiger because I think he's the best of the bunch, but it could be Tamori. Yeah, well, um, James on the right. Reese James will start on the right, I think, but then the other centre-back next to Thiago Silva, like, could be anyone. Well, it'll be uh, Zuma, won't it? Oh, it could be Kurt Zuma as well. I, like, I just don't think Kurt Zuma's that good. Older. Like, one of, like, I think Rudiger's their best defender, but I don't think he'll start. And apparently they're going to move one of them on, but it could be it could be Kurt Zoom. So again, West Brom might not be able to create a chance, but Chelsea could certainly give them one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, nice. I like that because uh, in my head I couldn't work out how West Brom could hurt Chelsea, but um, there you go. You solved that for me, Chelsea, with uh, the old suicide shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that, like a lot, Marcus Alonso, he just he's the most uh, least interested in defending defender I've ever seen. I just don't think he realizes that's his role. I think he thinks someone else is supposed to be doing it. But um, it'll be interesting to see the impact that Thiago Silva has because um, obviously he comes in with a lot of experience and you just wonder if he can sort of do a bit better in the organising of the team, like on the pitch, just to – like because they, they really seem to struggle with slowing teams down um, in the same way that like City would do your clever little tactical fouls. Um, so then they do get exposed. So I, I just wonder if, the, if Thiago Silva might help mitigate that a bit with his experience. I don't think he's the leader that everyone cracks him up to be, um, to be honest. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to that dynamic. Well, apparently English is um, – he's struggling with his English a little bit. So um, fine at Chelsea. I, no, I read in the um, Carabao Cup notes that um, he started and he made a lot of noise in the um, dressing room and on the pitch, but not all the boys could understand what he was saying. Um, they just heard their name being shouted a lot, so then it couldn't really work out what that means. Um, so there you go. But what we might move on to two teams who got um, who got battered last week: Southampton and Burnley. Geez, Southampton was shit last week. Yeah, I saw Burnley. Yeah, I just really want that. Uh, really want that out in the open. I thought they were absolutely terrible last week, Southampton. Um, yeah, Burnley, Burnley were a bit off the pace against Leicester. Um, I, I've, I've, I've said for a number of years, I think Burnley are like on the way down, but they just keep, they keep, uh, they keep resisting. I think this might be their year based on last week's performance. Yeah, fourteenth versus nineteenth here. Very, very uninspiring from Burnley. I. I don't know. Like I thought, Southampton would be much better than that. I don't know how they're sitting nineteenth, but they've been terrible. Yeah, they struggle. I think there's two games you could probably swerve this weekend, and um, this is the first one. I would say. Really, I think I think there's a nice little narrative here that like both these teams have lost their first two. Oh no, sorry, Southampton's lost their first two games, and West Brom, mm-hmm. Burnley have lost their 
their one quite convincingly. Like, they need to bounce back. Like, this ascendancy now. Like, I know you don't win or lose a season now, but you do need to start building some ascendancy to, like, if you get into relative safety early on, then this, the whole dynamic of the season changes for you. But if you're Burnley and you get dragged down into a shit fight now and you're stuck there, like, or you're Southampton and you're thinking, like, oh, we're actually sort of trying to push for higher mid-table, but now we're stuck in a shit fight. And you wonder if they have the tools to stay out of a relegation shit fight as much as they do to entertain. So, like, you need to start building some ascendancy. And, the, like, Southampton just look like they're going the other way. Yeah. In terms of um, if both of them get into a relegation scrap, I see Southampton have got goals through through Ings. I think if anything happens to him, they're, they're in trouble, whereas Burnley don't have as many tools um, to, to get themselves out of a scrap. But I agree, it's probably a... Um, a big game for the foundation of both these teams' seasons. And if they can, yeah, ha- have a foundation, you're sort of in that mid-table space where you, you are relatively safe and then you've got a decision there whether you um, push on and, and see if you can creep up the table um, and have a pretty good season um, or you just go on the beach and absolutely phone it in um, in your last last half of the season. Well, it looks um, like a, it which looks a lot like- of teams do. So, yeah, a big one. Uh, it looks like two of the relegation one, one spots. That I, are set. One that I probably won't watch, but <laughs> you won't watch it. <laughs> yeah, West Brom, Fulham. West Brom, Fulham. They're probably set now. So there's yeah. one, there's one spot that you need to um need to look. At. You wouldn't watch this game. Bloody hell! All right, so let, let's move on to the big one. No, wouldn't watch United it. United versus Leeds. Yeah. So, so this this could be the match Sheffield of the round. Versus Leeds. <laughs> Let's talk about Leeds United's goals for and goals against. Two games, seven goals for, seven goals against. Four threes, back-to-back. Like, they're the entertainers, aren't they? Newcastle 2.0, you could say, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Brucey. Um, no, no, look, I think, no, I think no, this one... is from, like, back in the day. I'm talking, like, um, Espria. I'm talking <laughs> uh, Les Ferdinand. Um, I'm talking David Ginola. Uh, um, no, look. I think this this could be this could be another <laughs> another cracker. Um, Sheffield United are a touch on the dower side. They're very effective, but they're also they've lost their first two as well. Um, I thought Johnny Egan was very hard done by during the week, and I don't want to go on about VAR again. But that is not a red card. Like Ollie Watkins is twenty five yards from goal. The ball's in the air for you know three or so seconds, and him and Ollie Watkins are sort of wrestling from like halfway all the way to the 18-yard box. Like, so if, if the referee's more on the ball there, he can call a foul 30 yards ago. Um, so I think Johnny Egan was very hard done by for Sheffield United during the week, and he'll miss the game obviously now because he's, I think he's sort of one game banned because it's straight red. Um, that's a big out for Sheffield United, and Leeds already have no problem scoring goals. So, no, I, dis- I, see, I disagree. I, I can't see how that is not a red card. I don't, denying I, a goal-scoring I, opportunity. It's simple. It's just straightforward. I don't think it's. I don't think Ollie Watkins going to make a goal-scoring opportunity. I don't think he's. Like, he's at that level. It's but that, that like he could have called the it's foul. True. It's a long he could have called like the foul was twenty yards ago, and there could have been a foul by Ollie Watkins. Like I think yeah, but even like if it was twenty yards ago, it's still he's still running in on goal. But they're both they're both doing it. Like they're both doing it twenty yards ago. Like it's, I I just think he could have called it, and I don't think it was a red card. Um, I think the referees have gone crazy, and I think VAR's gone crazy. No, no, you're not going to rant, are you? <laughs> no, look, let's get back. Leeds are the entertainers. I think this is going to be um, – I think this could be another great game if Leeds keep playing the way they are. Bielsa seems to have the boys absolutely purring playing attacking football. Um, and I think Leeds are going to do them. I think Sheffield United are going to be 0-3 by the end of the weekend. Yeah, right. I think the the tale of this game is going to be whether Leeds can penetrate um, Sheffield United's defence. So um, they're obviously pretty tight back there, and I think um, yeah, Leeds are going to have most of the ball and have most of the play, um, and really push forward and play on the front foot as they always do. But the question is, can they break down um, Sheffield United's uh, defence? And I think from that, that'll drive the rest of the narrative of the game, where Sheffield United sort of come out and, and need to get one back. And if they do, they'll get opened up by leads and, and ripped apart. But mm-hmm, I think I'm tipping like a, a both teams to score and leads to win here. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going leads here quite comfortably. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think they. I think they're better than Sheffield United. Sheffield United just yeah, touching the boring side. But speaking of teams that are not boring, 
I know you don't rate Son, but he's coming off a four-goal okay. haul, and then he's going up against Brucey's boys. This this could be a long day, Newcastle fans. What do you think? Well, I'm interested to see Bale plays. So, is he ready? Um, is he injured? Is he, he going to start? Ready now? Well, he's been here a week. How long do you need? Uh, how many rounds is that? As in 18 holes. Um, no, look, I don't think – apparently he needs a month to be ready. I'm not sure what he's ready from. <laughs> like, he wasn't yeah. doing anything. Um, he hasn't played in a while. Um, so I think he's just he's just coasting. He's just enjoying it. Probably another tea time with um, Levy and the boys. But, no, I don't, yeah. I don't think Gareth will feature. I don't think he's ready. Okay. But either way, I think um, Spurs will have too much for Brucey's boys. Um, Son looked awesome last week, um, and so, and so did King Harry. They just need Bale to join him up up there. I think Lucas Moura might be in trouble um, once Bale does get back and and fit. But I think it will be interesting to see um, if Newcastle take the same approach as Southampton and play a extremely high line and push all the way over halfway, or Will Brucey sit a little bit deeper? Um, last week was absolute suicide by Southampton um, playing that high. Crazy. But, um, yeah, I just think Spurs got too much goals for them. Newcastle just looked a bit um, a bit flat last week coming off their, their first round win. Um, 1-1, lost, lost one. Yeah, that, I thought they I were, think they Spurs were, will, will do yeah, them. They were, they were really bad last week, Newcastle. Um, I thought I thought that um, week one win against West Ham would um, – would like keep that a sense of going, and we could start talking about them going to Europe. And but I think I think a few of the players might have built, like bought into my narrative there, because um, they were they were terrible last week, and I just I couldn't figure out why there was such a great disparity between the two weeks. Um, but yeah, I think I think Spurs are going to be way too good for them, um, and I think this one could be the the biggest result of the round. I think Spurs could put a few past them. They're buzzing, Jose's buzzing. I've caught up on the documentary, like. All, oh, yeah. all of it's looking like it's going to be Spurs, isn't it? What do you think of the documentary? What was your favourite part? Um, Danny Rose. Danny, Danny Rose. When he's like, oh, um, he's, <laughs> Dan, Daniel Lee was like, oh, we've got <laughs> we've got enough from Newcastle and Bournemouth. And he's like, oh, any word from Milan? And he's like, oh, no, they're waiting on something else. <laughs> Real Madrid, are they coming? For me? <laughs> no. Oh, no it, was, it was a great bit of viewing. Um, and Jose has obviously put on quite the charm offensive, but they seem to respect him, and the right players are buying into what he's doing. So yeah, I think I think Spurs are Spurs are looking pretty good. Um, they haven't really been tested. They do have like I think outside of Bale, they've they don't really have a great deal of injury. So I think they're going to be pretty close to full strength. Um, and they've got a big squad too. Yeah, yeah, they're balancing it out nicely. But they've got um, Tottenham have Newcastle this week. Then they've got a Europa League playoff during the week. And then Manchester United the following week, so um, they need. I think they need the points here because they won't get past United. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Um, we'll see what trash United roll out this week, and we'll go from there. I think. Um, but this is the top of the table clash, the battle for first. Leicester, Man City. What are your thoughts? Is that where a city? A city in the top couple, are they? They'll have their catch-up game, and they will be, yeah. Oh wow! Okay, um, battle for the top. So, interestingly, um, last season Leicester City were actually in front of Man City for a good part of the season. Isn't that crazy to think about? Is it? I, don't know. I think played, it is. Bloody well, and City were trash. <laughs> no, look, I think what a what a game again. The fixtures are coming thick and fast. I really wish there were some fans in there for this one so that we could see that City Stadium was empty anyway. But um, I think this is, such, this is such a good game. Look, City have had a bit of a – actually got um, a bit of a run out this week in the Caribbean Cup against Bournemouth. And they only progressed 2-1, but it was a yeah. fairly understrength City lineup. Okay, his old team, Judas. <laughs> yeah, Ake didn't feature. I'd imagine they were all looking, going for him. But um, no, look, cracking game. I think I think there's a couple of things here. I think Leicester are a fairly savvy team now. They seem to have a lot of different options as to what they can do. Obviously, Jamie Vardy's going to start up top. Um, he was a bit quiet last week, but um, like I think that's part of the Vardy beast, isn't it? He can do nothing for 
five, nine minutes and then pop up and score a smack one. <laughs> score a hat-trick in 15 seconds. Um, no, look, it's yeah, it could be the perfect chance for that Leicester counter-attacking football. Um, and City have got a few new faces they might want to balance in. But, yeah, I think it's a hard one to pick. Leicester, seem, Leicester have started the season, like, very well. Um, and City, City haven't quite clicked into gear yet. What do you think? Yeah, well, I slightly disagree with you there. I think what Leicester will do, um, which most other teams do not do, is they'll play against Man City on the front foot and stick to their philosophy and their their style of play. So I think they'll go try and go toe-to-toe with City um, and just try and outpass them um, and, and sort of slice them up um, and see if they can get through that press of Man City. So I think that's how they'll play them as opposed to how most other teams play them, which is in a low block. Um, yeah, just getting sort of everyone behind the ball and, and see if you can hit, in, hit them on the counter, which a few teams have done rather successfully um, over the last couple of seasons um, against against Man City. I think you, you'll see less teams go toe to toe with them, try and pass them off the off the park. Real Madrid tried to do that in the Champions League final, which was um, a really good game to watch. I think this will be a cracker game to watch. And if you're a bit of a technician and a bit of a, um, a tactical seed, this is the game to to watch I think but I think City will have too much quality for Leicester at this stage Madison started um, in the Carabao Cup which is great but I think Man City will have um, too much for them at, at this stage of the season yeah, yeah I think I think if Leicester are going to go toe-to-toe with them then I think City will smash them just um, just yeah well they will they'll go toe-to-toe with them Oh no! I might sort of look, I might look at plus three goals difference then. Uh, should be should be a good game. So when's that one actually being played? Um, I have that right here. That is at one thirty a.m. Monday. Perfect. Mm. That's the ideal time for our Australian viewers to wake up in the middle of the night to enjoy that. Um, yeah. You were still getting that from Revolver, weren't you? <laughs> oh, God, what I'd give for a week at Revolver. <laughs> Um, so look look, next next on the uh, next on the agenda is West Ham versus Wolves. So you put a you put a little bit of a racist comment. Tell everyone what it is. It's the twenty first century, mate. So you've got West Ham versus Portugal, which is not fair. Um, Wolves Wolverhampton's a proud area of the Midlands of England. Um, and but look, massive week again for Wolves in the signing. So they've signed. Hard to believe they've signed a Portuguese right back. Um, but West, West Ham got a bit of a shot in the arm this week in the Carabao Cup. So they'd obviously been drinking the Carabao. They smashed Hull City 5-1. Goals for all the right players too. So I think Yarmolenko got a double and so did Allaire. And like the, the forwards at West Ham need a bit of confidence. And uh, they only conceded one, which was nice. But uh, like I'm, I'm actually genuinely wondering if this game might be called off. Uh, because of Rona? Yeah, because of Moisey. Mm. Well, you'd think that as soon as Moisey come down with Corona, then all the players would sort of, and medical staff and that, would immediately have to go and get get tests and, and isolate. So they probably had a disruptive week in terms of training because it might take 24 hours to get their results back. So they might have missed a session or two and been separated and then anyone who's clear can sort of come back. But, yeah, hopefully Moisey's got some good assistance um, working for it. But I think, yeah, that disruption um wolves being as good as they are and west ham being as poor as they are who's going to mean the wolves will um wolves will shred them here um and who, who's the right back from from wolves that they just bought uh, in tomato from barcelona tomato from barcelona which as i said last week it's just isn't that crazy that wolf and hampton wanderers are signing barcelona's right back should be going the other way in. shouldn't it you think barcelona just doesn't make sense. Wolves players yeah but Exodus at, at Barcelona, so yeah, Wolves can benefit from that, and they'll they'll do West Ham here, and probably look at um, multiple goals for Wolves if you're a betting man. I think one thing that worked in Tomato's favour was that he was Portuguese. Um, I think you know how Santiago Silva is having problems communicating with the Chelsea players. Yes, are you suggesting that he's going to angle for a move to Wolverhampton because obviously they'll all speak Portuguese and it's going to be easier for him. No, I'm not. Watch that space. Watch that. Oh, what a short, short, short little happened. secrets, is it? Um, no, look, this, 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 this could be bad news for West Ham. But I, I am worried about that COVID issue hanging over us, and whether or not 
we might be going back into a more strict lockdown um, just around the Premier League feeds. Hopefully they've got the bubble well and truly sorted for for health and safety's sake. But, like, yeah, as soon as the managers – last time, as soon as the managers started getting it, like Arteta was sort of the first one, um, the owner from Nottingham Forest, and then the Nottingham Forest team, effectively. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But, yeah, it's sort of hovering over us again, isn't it? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk out of the UK at the moment that they might be going into a stronger lockdown and, and I'm, what I'm most worried about is, you know, I've got um, friends and family over there in the UK, but what I'm most worried about is um, the Premier League shutting down, to be honest. So. Yeah, I'm a shareholder yeah. at Manchester United, so <laughs> I'm very worried. Because, um, <laughs> like, it's going to be even harder for us to get Sancho over the line. Obviously, the health and safety of people is very important, but how are we going to sign Sancho? Well, maybe they'll get more attention in lockdown. There you go. Back to, back <laughs> to what we're... <laughs> yeah, look, um, look, that's very important, and obviously it's impacted us all on a dividend sense. But <laughs> look, um, Fulham versus Aston Villa is the next cab off the rank. So if you are going to miss a game this week, make it oh, this no. one. <laughs> I'll put I'll put in the running order: Fulham versus Villa, and disease straight across the screen there. But yeah, I don't know. It's just both teams looking very underwhelming. Although Villa. Um, they got a one 0 win last week, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. So good news for Villa. They um, picked up a one 0 win against ten men yeah. against a ten man Sheffield United um, in a game that was predictably tight. But I think Johnny Egan sending off just disrupted Sheffield United too much. So good news for Villa. Um, and wins like that, like for Aston Villa, are absolutely critical because they are a red hot tip to join Fulham and West Brom down back in the Championship next year. So great news on that front. Um, Fulham, I think, have some serious problems which don't look like resolving, primarily being that their defence can't defend. Um, and if you're a Premier League team, I think that is a serious issue for you. What do you think? Yes, Fulham are very much in, in trouble um, and I think Villa will be good enough to, to get it done. I think they've just got a little bit more quality than than Fulham and have a little bit more experience in the Prem to, to get past them at, at this stage. I think it looks dangerous if um, Villa do drop points here for for them. Um, as much as I'd like to see Fulham um, get a win here, but I think Villa will get it done. Interesting that Fulham have won the last three meetings yeah. against this. Well, I think last week, I think 4-3 against Leeds absolutely flattered Fulham. Um, Leeds should have put it to bed and they should have absolutely batted them. So 4-3 was quite kind to them. But what we do have in this game is the Mitro factor. He's fit now, isn't he? He's back. Is he ever fit? He's always big, but I don't know if he's ever fit. <laughs> I mean, he's fit enough to play football. Um, I'm not sure his um, BMI is anything to to write home about. Those yeah, white shirts don't do him any favours either. He's a big bastard and you can't change that. And no matter what happens in football, being a big bastard and a forward (laughs) will cause trouble. And this Fulham defence, Hector looks delightful on the ball. He really does. Like, I just can't speak highly enough of him on the ball. But um, Off the ball? Off the ball, he sucks. So, Fulham have got troubles down that end. But look... um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if the Villa back four can handle Big Metro. Yeah, um, Mings will have his work cut out against Metro, no doubt. But that's the thing: the the Villa back four are like the Mings and um, can't think of the French lad's name that scored last week. Might not even be French, but um, but they're big boys. Like <laughs> Mings, Mings is a big man. I don't know if he can handle Metro. Um, Gilbert, I think it is. No, it's, no, what's his name? I can't think of it. But um, no, look, I don't know if they can handle Metro. I think Mitro might pinch one here. We'll see. Anyway, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch a mini match, this is the one to watch. <laughs> so <laughs> we're done with um done with fixtures. So what we might move on to is um transfer chat. It's a big one this week, isn't it? Again. Suarez. So you've called Suarez a cheat in the past. Explain to me why he's cheated again allegedly this week. Yeah, so as far as, as you know, he was looking at a move between Atletico and he was also looking at Juventus. He has landed on Atletico, but he did have a little trip off to um, Juventus, Turin, and to do so, he needed to take a little Italian test. And so, of course, he doesn't know any Italian and Suarez being the upstanding citizen that he is, 
um, he paid someone to send him the questions pre and he wrote, had the answers all all planned out and then he went in and um, absolutely smashed the Italian test um, and then later got exposed for her cheating. So there you go. And that's all That's all allegedly. So just on behalf of the pod, I'd like to, to apologise to Lewis if he is offended by it. I know he's a listener. Um, he just... What, why is no one factoring in that his Italian might be perfect? Yeah. I don't know. He could be a it, genius. He looks a just, genius. No, nah, he's just more and more of a germ. Every time you read something about him, he just turns out he's just more of a germ. There was that, I saw that clip this week of um, when Neymar's doing up his boots and it's why he's got the boots of ball from underneath <laughs> him when, he, when he's trying to tie his shoelaces before training at Barca when they were at Barca together. Yeah, I hear yeah, what he's just, just a joke. But did you see him when he was leaving... Um, Leaving Barcelona, he had a press conference and he was crying. He was it was a real mess. He obviously does not want to leave Barcelona one bit. Yeah, I think I think the thing about Luis Suarez is I think if he's on your team, you love him. You love him, yeah. Like and you see that. Like he really like he goes out there and that that shirt, like he will give absolutely everything and he will do like social judgment and social norms aside, he will do whatever he has to to perform for that shirt. So um, I think I think if you ever played for my, like if you ever played for Manchester United, I would have loved him. But um, he does do a lot of those shit y sort of acts. But Which he is why I think he do really well at Atletico. He fits their brand, fits their. Um... <laughs> but we could be looking at some long bands if they start sort of trying to one up each other between him and Douglas Costa, <laughs> Diego Costa and Simeone as well. Like, yeah. um, I, it's it's I, oh, Luis Suarez. We've got to keep in mind too. This is Luis Suarez twenty twenty, not Luis Suarez. Um, 2013-14, I did see a clip of him in training and it looked quite worrying. Um, so how they use him, and, like like uh, if any, if you're going to play for anyone as you're going towards the end of your career, I would think Liverpool would be first because like the intensity is just going to kill you and then Atletico would be a close second because Simeone's intensity might kill you. Yeah, you just need to press it all the way, don't you? Yeah, and I feel Simeone. like Suarez's legs might buckle under him at some point. Like not one, both. Just yeah. through fatigue, but he's a, he's a warrior. Mm. So, I'm not sure he'll, he'll start all the time either. Um, out there with yeah. um, Costa and Jao Felix there. To... I, yeah, I, I don't think he will. But he, like, it's a pretty handy bloke. And like six mil seems like if you get a year out of him, you're buying him for now. Like six mil, if they can, if he can score you a couple of important goals, that's probably not a bad signing. Can someone do a little graph of what Barca pay for these players and what they're selling them at? So uh, Suarez can oh. sold for six mil. Um, what Rakitic went for one million the other week. Um, who else have they got rid of recently? Uh, well, Coutinho's two-year loan. James Rodriguez apparently left for free. Oh, that's Real, sorry. But yeah, um, Tim Pelé's 140 mil and they're looking to sell him, but they're not going to get 140 mil. I, I think it, I don't think you need a graph to know that the narrative here is that they don't sell players for more than they bought them. Buy high, sell low. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, you, and the, you and the rest of those Robin Hood traders. All right, so let's move on to someone who had a significant problem and they've looked to solve it. Mendy to Chelsea. It's done. Yeah, it. it's done. This has been bubbling along for a long time, but something that they needed to do. And I don't think he's going to be in for this week. So I think from next week... Um, Kepper might be riding the bench a little bit more, but so some of the needs to do, week? and they pull it. Yes, Kepper does this week, and then, um, then from there, I think he's in trouble. Jeez, if Kepper's playing this week, I might change my Chelsea prediction. Um, yeah, no, jeez, they needed this. He's gone off the boil. His performance in Liverpool was just so bad. Everything he did was bad. Um, so this is a good signing, and as we said last week, he's a monster. So um, good signing. We'll see what happens. Good he business. does. He does have a real presence. So let's move on. We've talked about that one. So let's move on to one we've talked about a lot, um, which is just breaking my heart more and more every week. And I wish they'd just end the transfer period so that we could stop this. But uh, Jaden Sancho to Manchester United, what have you heard? Um, I have heard that this is progressing. Um, so it's nice and slow, but it is progressing. And so the Manchester United, if you look back, have done their business sort of late doors um, on a couple of big deals. And I just think because of the size of this deal um, and getting Sancho in is 
such a high priority for United that they're just not walking away from the deal. So um, they kept going back and, and matching um, their their demands. Um, but I think Dortmund either want it done or want them to go away because they don't want it. They don't want to sell him late and then not have any time to fulfill that that spot and challenge for the Bundesliga. So, but I, I hear it is progressing rather well. Fits the narrative nicely too. If you're United, pay over the top for a player they don't need um, in a position that they aren't necessarily short on. So, yeah, that would so be we're leaking goals and we've got um, a plethora of attacking options. Good idea. We'll sign a mercurial winger. Yeah, so that, that solves then that it fits into Ollie's plan, which obviously everyone can see um, and understands. So look, that's great. So what about the uh, other English young talent? Well, he's not that young anymore, but he's he's a star of the documentary. Um, he tends to throw the toys out of the pram quite a bit without actually ever improving his defensive work rate. Deli Alley mm. off to PSG. Yeah, we touched on this last week. Um, this keeps moving along. I think um, Mourinho said that he wants to to keep him. He wants to fight for his spot, but I think Dali um, wants to move on. And Spurs' squad is too big for no Champions League football, so they're going to have to move someone on. Um, he's on higher wages than most of the other players there. So if they were going to move someone on, you'd probably want someone at his level to to move on. But I think we spoke last week that. It's just unlikely that he's going to get a lot of game time at PSG. What do you think? Yeah, I just don't. I don't know what's like this. This one's really interesting for me because um, I think, as I said previously, ten years ago, Mourinho might have put a player over the coals, and then the player would come back like a phoenix out of the ashes and be amazing. Um, I don't think Delhi's that type of personality, so I, I think he does need a move. But then I don't necessarily see a logical fit for him anywhere. He's not a player that anybody needs. Because he's like he's a bit of a luxury player. Yeah, luxury. Player. Um, yeah. And the players that like the players that get that luxury are like the best players in the world. Like Ronaldo, like you find a way to fit him in. Messi, like players have to do more defensively if you're playing with Messi or Neymar. Um, he's certainly not in that class. So yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one to put your finger on as to where is a, where's like a good destination for all parties. Um, I actually don't think anything will happen in this space. Yeah, I hope not. I hope he stays put and, and right. sees his time at, at Spurs. Yeah, or no, I hope he fights for his spot and gets in. That, that's what I really want. Get back to that form that's seen him um, go on that great run with England. That's what I want to see. So another big, another bit of Spurs news. So Milan Skriner, or Skriner, um from Inter Milan to Spurs Six, for 60, 60 mil. mil. Is yeah, that going to Spurs fork out 60 mil? If, if, nothing, the doc, if the documentary's taught me nothing, it's that Levy's tighter than I thought he was. <laughs> tighter than you thought he was and you thought he was tight originally. Oh, yeah, he could draw uh, blood six, from a stone. Uh, I mean, 60 mil is a lot, but I think if, the, if you need a centre-back and it's your season's going to hinge on that, I think you've just got to go and spend the spend the money, I think. Um, I think this is a, a good move for for Spurs and they, they did move on um, Vertonghen, so they do need another centre-back. So I think at the moment, what have they got? Sanchez and Toby. Um, is their first choice, so I think they do need another centre back. So I think this would be a good signing. I hope it gets gets done. I think it's a great. But, I think it'd be a great signing, um, and it would be really good to see how um, he goes in the Premier League because it's just a different world, especially for a centre back. And the, as as we've alluded to before, I think there's not that many good centre backs in the market, and I'd really like to see if he can stand up and mm. um, put his hand up and say, "Look, yeah, I am in the top few. I'm in that Harry Maguire, Virgil Van Dijk class." Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> Pick the Lindelof. Um, yeah, so like it's it's a really interesting one. I really hope it goes through. To be honest, I want to see, I want to see if this can stand up and what um what he can do in the Premier League. It'd be a great window for Spurs if they get him in, don't you think? Definitely, yeah, definitely. yeah. massive. And that's it's a real step because like a real step in the right direction for them as they want to go with this wonderful new stadium. Uh, speaking of a man in the right direction, Jesse Lingard, no offers in or some. Crazy. Um, my understanding is there are no, no offers for Jesse. I don't understand. Like, this seems to be, um, and this could be potentially libelous, so I'm just kidding. Like, this just tends to be like your, your bigger companies um, trying to push a story because they can't find concrete stories. Like, he's 27. He doesn't play. Like, who cares? He played in the cup during the week, though, I suppose. He played in the Carabao Cup. 
against Luton. If there, there was no stadium, there was no fans in the stadium because of coronavirus, there probably would have been no fans in the stadium anyway. Um, like it's not, it's just not, it's not big news. Like there's no offers for him. He's he's apparently angling for a transfer, but no one's going to pay his wages. Like his wages are a problem. Yeah. yeah, no one will pay that unless he takes. He like he'll be taking a significant pay cut, not just a pay cut. Like I'm talking like a very significant pay cut to find another club. And then Manchester United have valued him at $30 million. What is the basis of that valuation? <laughs> like, How long has he got left on his deal, I suppose, is probably oh, I think he's thing. got quite a while because he just re-signed and they might um, That's even, why then he's at 30 Yeah. And like he's, I just don't think he's going to go anywhere. And if anyone's going to take him, it's going to be one of those, like similar to the Nani deal where Manchester United loaned Nani to Sporting Lisbon but still paid his wages mm. just to keep his transfer yep. value so I think that this could be a scenario where if he does move, and I think the best thing for all parties, I think, is that. Like, loan him out for a year, go and let him play football, and if he proves everyone wrong, that's great. United don't lose anything. Um, but he's like, it's just no, I don't think there's any benefit to anyone to having him sit there. Apparently Spurs were in for him. Um, but I just don't think that's true, to be honest. I don't think Mourinho, Mar- like, I don't think Mourinho rates him that high that he'd pay $30 million for him. Yeah, but Man City, they're in the market again, 46 yeah. million. Yeah, so I'm going to get this name wrong here because my French isn't what it used to be, but I think it's Kwande. Kwande, the centre-back from Sevilla is who we're talking about here. So he's a young French centre-back. Um, he is very, very good on the ball, which suits City's style. 21. Um, 21 years of age. I think he's playing as we speak in the Super Cup against Bayern Munich. Um, he was very impressive in the Europa League run next to Diego Carlos. So um, I think if they can get this over the line, I think it's a really good signing for City. Um, I don't know if it's a good signing for the player because I'm not sure if he'll feature as much as he'd like to at 21 years of age. What do you think? Yeah, I think a good move for City, and I agree with you, not, not a good move for um, for the player. Um, I don't think he'll play as much, and he'll probably learn much more um, playing in in Sevilla. Just get way more game because they're they're in so many competitions. They're the cup, um, they're in Europe, and um, obviously the league as well. So I think there's just so many games for him to play. He's more likely going to be first choice out there. So yeah, I think he should stay there, get some game time into him, um, and just learn, and then he can have one of these bigger moves a little bit later down the down the track. Yeah, it'd be so, interesting to see what happens. It looks like City are pushing quite hard for him now. Um, and they actually, I believe they have actually sent them an offer. Yeah, 46 mil, I think. Yeah. So that's it's not one of these funny ones where they've agreed terms with the player. Um, no, no shit. Um, no. Yeah, so look, that, that, that could be really interesting. I think watch that space. I think that's Cooley Bally pricing himself out of the market and probably not being as good as his valuation. Um, so they've sort of moved in for a new player. Yeah. All right, so what are we looking for? So we're, so, um, so we're not going to hit the mailbag today. We're just not going to have time, sadly, because it's such a big week in Premier League. But I'd like to touch on Colos Multi because I am an optimist, an eternal optimist. What have you got yeah. for me? So let me just get into this now. So Colo has sent me uh, Manchester United to win. <laughs> oh, geez. He loves a risk, doesn't he? My God, straight into it. Spurs Manchester United to win. Yep. To win. Yep. Chelsea to win. Yep. Man City to beat Leicester. And he's put $10 down, which will get him $41.90 back. Yeah, okay. So he's trying, obviously trying to play it a bit safer there to make that money back that we've lost. Um, but that's good. I, I can get so on board he, with that. If he gets this, um, we're back in the green. We so are. Are we? I, I thought last week's time was $25. Um, at least that's the advice I uh, took. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so, we'll, we'll, we'll be back to zero then. Yeah, oh, close enough. Like, we'll, we'll give him. I'll I'll put six bucks in the kitty. Um, but look, um, I'm I'm going to back that. I think that's sensible. Um, that's more in my wheelhouse. Wouldn't mind seeing a goal scorer in there for coming weeks if you can feed that back. Just to add yeah, a bit of you need a bit of confidence though. Getting it's if you can get one of these straight multis in, um, get his confidence up, and then he might get a little bit more exotic. Yeah, good, good, good. I like that approach. All right, so look, 
that's Colo's multi this week. Back it. It's a lock, um, but do gamble responsibly. So, look, if you want to get in touch with us, that's email at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. And then we've got Facebook is Football Played on Paper for people aged between 25 and 40. Um, Instagram, if you're younger than that, so that's at Football Played on Paper. And Twitter, if you can't put together more than 40 characters, at Football Played on Pods. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating um, because Sean needs to feed his family. We cater for everyone here, don't we? All demographics. We understand them. I I speak their language. (laughs) So, yeah. All right.